The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Oh, Luna, how do you get so high? Welcome to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. Why We Are Here is a portal of heartfelt communication designed to inspire you with expansive words of wisdom, personal insight, and open candor from luminary guests around the world. Now, here's your host, Sharon Rose Washington. Hello, and welcome to Why We Are Here. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington. You've now entered into that comfortable atmosphere where luminaries from around the world join us to share their contributions, findings, and opinions. I can say without hesitation and with absolutely no reservations that my phenomenal guest today holds within his grasp the keys and codes to alternative lifestyle paradigms geared toward golden age living. My guest is Ray Potter, designer, strategist, digital architect, and alchemist. Ray is fast forward or perhaps in sync with the eternal present as he works to bring into effect cooperation of us all with the use of technology for universal sustainability. He's the author of the book One, The New Abundant Energy Revolution and The Power of You, and believes we are all here to help one another. And that is what technology is all about, ever-present sustainability. Hello, Ray. Welcome to Why We Are Here. Hello, Sharon. First of all, it's an honor and privilege to be on your program, and I'm so grateful to you and to your listeners for taking the time to listen to what I have to share. Um, so thank you. And um, uh, I guess, I, what would you like me to begin with? I can speak a little bit about myself and the journey that how I've come here, and then we can get, dive right into um, uh, topics of interest um, that specifically outline the kinds of things that, that um, we are developing uh, to make the world a better place. Well, this is a treat for us. Why don't we just initially talk about you as a designer, because you're a designer by trade, uh, but I should actually say by inspiration. Okay, so what attracts you to the world of design? Well, I see the profession of design as basically a way to make meaning out of the complexity that uh, we, we create. And so, you know, we tend to look at uh, design as somebody who makes pretty pictures or somebody who makes something aesthetically pleasing. But my perspective on design is more along the lines of Buckminster Fuller's philosophy is that really a designer is somebody who is synthesizing art, innovation, science, regenerative economics, evolutionary strategy, uh, and from, for myself, it's towards serving the highest quality of life for all life. And in other words, um, the practice of design for me is to make more coherence, um, to be able to receive 
information and to be able to decode information and to be able to transmit information more efficiently than we did before. And part of that journey for me has been, you know, I've, I've worked um, uh, early in my career uh, as um, advertising executive. You know, I, um, I, was a, I was a graphic designer. I was a creative director, uh, art director, and um, I worked on independent films. Um, and, I, and I started from that place, and then in the 90s, I got into um, designing for the web as the web was emerging, and so I had the opportunity to take that design sensibility to create um, digital products and integrated digital products um, around how people interact with online spaces and how they create uh, meaning from their online interactions. And, um, and that led me to a um, series of very interesting experiences. And about um, five years ago, I found myself uh, as, um, as, as a member of a um, global digital agency. We were contracted to work on a lot of the things that were emerging in the smart energy space. So we were doing everything from creating smart grid applications, um, designing communications and integrated strategy for uh, energy efficiency initiatives that were happening. Um, and interestingly, that experience kind of pulled me out of my vocation at the time and made me realize something much bigger and um, much more of um, a, a systemic look at what is happening and where the disconnect is. So for myself, um, the, the key catalyst was uh, I, I, uh, I was the lead um, I had a fancy title called uh, Digital Innovation Architect, but basically it just means I design websites, complex websites. And so, so we were uh, creating the energy efficiency portal for the state of California. And my background is, you know, I have come from um, a Web 2.0 or creating web services type of spaces. And in that world versus the world of out of uh, utilities and the, the bureaucracy that goes along with it, I found disconnects just in the way that the, the, the project was handled. But more importantly, I started to look deeper into what it was being proposed and what the underlying reality was. And part of what my discovery was that the current energy distribution, production and distribution model seemed pretty much like ice salesmen in the refrigerator age. It didn't make any sense to me, and um, and, in, and interestingly, the executive at the time came from telco, so we had conversations about, well, you know, we saw the decentralization of telecom. Um, why is it that our energy industry still operates with old technology, archaic technology, and insists that uh, we have a centralized power structure, centralized power grid, and um, uh, and even in the light of amazing technologies that have been invented and suppressed since, and the distributed technologies that were emerging from um, biomimicry-based initiatives, um, basically mimicking nature, um, being able to create uh, distributed peer-to-peer energy systems, uh, amazing solutions that were around, um, things that were coming out of research from University of Pennsylvania, uh, being able to take things like brackish water and 
brackish water is, you know, just kind of dirty water and being able to put it through a nano filter that uses 1% of the, the, the energy required to produce uh, abundant clean energy. So this is just one of many examples uh, being able to create, you know, photosynthesis from water, um, salt water, uh, fuel cells, in, and uh, that you, you, can, you can create batteries out of the technology that has been around for a long, long time. And yet, we see things in the marketplace and um, things that keep our lights on and our power on very different. So, you know, it's just the te- technological reality made me want to explore a little deeper as to, okay, why is this? And then you start to go down the path of, well, it's kind of tied to everything. It's not, you know, energy, economics, and environment are obviously tied but it's even more than that. So much is happening all around us, and, and some of what's happening is great, some is good, and some appears to be not so good. So how do you view uh, what we should do with life's changes that are coming so rapidly? I have people that say we should all unplug, and then people wouldn't get to hear this wonderful show or hear you sometimes. Or, or can we work with machines and technology without it running us? Well, you know, um, technology, uh, in my opinion, is essentially human intention amplified by tools that we create. So it is not, you know, we do not exist in separation from technology. Technology is an expression of ourselves. So it is not that, um, that technology inherently is, is bad or, um, you know, or Unplugging, I believe, is more of a, a reactionary measure to the, the, the current psyche that is manifesting the technology that, we, uh, that, we, that, is, that is visible to us. So it's not so much that. Um, I believe that you know, technology since the time of fire is neutral. It really it is the consciousness that drive, is driving the technology. It's what we think, what we feel, and how we think about what we feel and how we manifest that into actionable uh, tools that actually can help us um, live an abundant life and to live a higher quality of life than we did before. So technology is our friend. It's how we use it is the, is the key issue. And so right now, we actually we live in amazing times. You know, uh, really the, the, the science fiction um, reality you know, science fiction mythology is, is reality now. You know, we have um, the world, for example, travels with us within our, in our pockets, and we have the actual jetpacks, we have actual hoverboards. They're real things. We can move objects with our minds. We have mind, brain, uh, brain computer UIs. We can build almost anything we can imagine. We have self-replicating nanomaterials, and we have 3D printers that can reproduce themselves. I mean, we make gold in the lab with microbes, uh, cars that run on salt water. We can uh, generate energy from the environment. And these are all real tangible technologies. Um, uh, we can, uh, you know, energy from our bodies and vibrations from our voices. Even we heal ourselves by reprogramming our DNA with our thoughts. Uh, these are all real things that are available to us. And we have uh, self-organizing sentient robots and replacing production lines, deep learning AI that learns languages and can read, write, and perform tasks better than humans, um, auto-recording, receiving, transmitting, smart dust, autonomous flying machines, um, all kinds of stuff. And we have a, a lot of things that are emerging in the decentralized peer-to-peer space, 
that organize how we manage this information, um, and I, I will get into that later, uh, talk about distributed automated corporations, uh, companies rather, distributed automated applications, distributed automated organizations, uh, things like that. Yet, the disconnect today is this stuff is not accessible, or most people don't even know about these things that, that, have, um, that technologically we've solved for, and it's not accessible to the majority of the population. Um, you know, we still have the, the, uh, more than one billion people in the world that live, uh, live with less than $1.25 a day. And, you know, interestingly, um, 70% of them are women. And so that's, that's um, you know, these are kind of disturbing things, what is happening technologically versus what is happening socioeconomically. It seems like for all of these 21st century innovation, uh, our operating systems are operating from thought technology from 12th century or earlier. And it's, it's kind of sad, and, but I think there is a way to reconnect this in a way where it starts to make sense. And that's kind of been my journey and, um, and been my work, is to try to make sense of this, try to see why is this disconnect happening and what can we do to start putting it back together so that what we feel inside matches what we see on the outside. And, um, and I have some ideas around that, but that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I'm listening to who you are, and there's a lot there. There's layers. Uh, was who you are now nurtured some kind of way by your parents or family? <laughs> I, of course. Um, I, you know, I believe none of us exist um, in isolation. So we are a reflection of one another, and um, a lot of who we are comes from what, um, how we perceive the world around us. And um, I've been blessed and I've been very fortunate uh, to grow up in um, a loving family. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting uh, you, you, you mentioned family because, you know, all my life um, I, I saw my parents as people who argued all the time, you know, and recently my parents had their 50th anniversary and what I realized, and I, and I gave an intro speech during that time, and what I realized in that exchange is I actually decoded their interaction as more, more connected than many people that, um, you know, that, that externally um, uh, communicate how they love each other, because my parents never did. You know, I, my parents, you know, <laughs> when, even to this day, you know, I turn the corner and I can almost hear the argument coming from the house. And so I look at kind of like, I look at it kind of like this. Um, and then this, this goes to a, another point that, that I would like to speak to later, um, is that the, really the difference between love and war is communication. And if you have breakdown in communication, you have war. If you have deep communication, you have love. And there was no lack of communication in my house. <laughs> you know, it just took me like it just took me a while to figure out what what uh, how it was codified. And um, and and really, you know, a lot of that exchange was was negotiation of I care about you. And, you know, and, and then this, this kind of transference happening because they care about it. So, so yeah, so I'm, so I'm very blessed. I, you know, I had, um, I had loving parents um, and I have um, great friends that, you know, I've had, I have lifelong friends. And that's, that's been wonderful. You know, I've, I've known people 
uh, for many years, you know, two, three, four decades, and um, and I'm and I'm so blessed to have that, and I continue to make amazing connections with people that ends up being you know, friends from the time that I know them. Um, and, I, and I think um, that way of interacting with the world um, has great value. Um, and one of the things that we see today in the world is the, the biggest epidemic in the world, uh, according to Psychology Today that I saw some time back, was the epidemic of loneliness. And, you know, we, um, and, you know, in the age of technological connectivity, it's, it's odd that we have that. And I just think that if people just really paid attention, you know, if, 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 we, just, um, if we just saw, heard, and felt each other, many of the things, um, you know, I, I, had, I had a friend of mine um, who is a noted uh, psychotherapist. Um, and I worked with her for a little bit, and um, she, she mentioned something. She said, you know, in my 30 years of experience, one of the things that I noticed most is that people say the most prevalent problem is that everyone thinks that they're uniquely disturbed. And the irony of it is, from my perspective, from, is that everyone, more or less, is dealing with very similar issues. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue of connection. It's, it's a fear of rejection and fear of abandonment that is driving most people's behavior. I agree. I agree with what you're saying, uh, Ray, and... I consider your parents like um, when I have uh, conversations or arguments with my husband, that's passion. And I think that some of what um, we're listening to from you uh, today and everything that you're involved in, part of that passion that came out of them uh, is what's nurtured you to move forward with some of the things that you're doing. Uh, You say that systems have succeeded while individuals have not. What do you mean by that? Um, I, that is, uh, again, it's one of those things that um, we were speaking about, you know, people unplugging. And um, so you know, systems are agreements that we make in order to exchange information or in, in order to facilitate information flows within, our, within ourselves. And um, so I, I looked at what creates groups and what creates group dynamics and um, and what and you know how does this kind of power paradigm play into it? One of the things that um, I observed, and and uh, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Jean uh, Francois Nobel, uh, he also speaks about this in great detail. Uh, it's really the evolution of collective intelligence, and the very first part, you know, the the collective intelligence. I believe that. We have innate intelligence. We, we, we come built in with everything that we need to know, and, um, and, uh, and we have the ability to discern what is fair, what is, um, you know, what is clear, um, what is in the best interest naturally. And so when we have human-sized groups, uh, in other words, when we have things like our families or a tribe, uh, the collective intelligence, our natural collective intelligence, is really about sharing, and and we understand our impact relative to the whole. And in that type of a context, we have what we now refer to as a gift economy. You know, people give, they bring a gift in to benefit the group, 
and it comes back around and, uh, and benefits them in some other indirect way later on. Um, as soon as we start to scale out of that, that we want to do something bigger than the group that we can see here, feel, touch, etc., uh, we start to create symbols and we start to create abstractions around those symbols. And that's when we get into some of the problems that we see in the world. And so when we don't, can't see the outcome of something and we don't see our role in how we participate in that system, we have what we see as hierarchical, pyramidical kind of structures where, and this is, you know, this has been, you know, something that has followed us, you know, historically. We have uh, always monopolizing access to information has been the path of power and more specifically, that's how people thought that this is how you manage information beyond our local group. So priests have always monopolized knowledge, warriors have always monopolized governments, landlords have always monopolized geography, uh, bankers have always monopolized money, and the symbols and semantics of how we account for all of it um, has, has become part and parcel of how we look at it. So when I say systems have succeeded and the individual have not, has not, what I'm really talking about is the systems that arose from, uh, from, from a, a, a patriarchal mythos, uh, a, a mythology of higher order of one individual ruling over somebody else, um, one person's will becoming, um, becoming greater than somebody else's uh, need or somebody else's understanding, and we start to organize information in that way, and that information... You know, that way of organizing information works up to a point where things are stable, except in our world today, things are not stable and things are dynamic and people are finding out information on their own. And it's, it's, you, know, you hear this a lot in corporate culture is working with knowledge workers is like herding cats. Well, that's the reality. The, the, the reality is that we are independent, autonomous, intelligent beings, but we are trying to into a structure that is counter to our intuitive tuning, our, our deeper knowledge, our higher selves, and we get into these, these situations where we try to fit ourselves to the constructs of the system, and we ourselves are dissatisfied. We're going to take a break for commercial, but we'll be right back with author, designer, and alchemist, Ray Potter. If you'd like to reach us at Voice America's Why We're Here to let us know what's on your heart and mind, then kindly email us at Sharon at WhyWe'reHere.info. That's Sharon at WhyWe'reHere.info. Let's take a break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Wouldn't you love to experience formidable, personal, transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity heightened intuition and radiant fulfillment 
To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. And we are back with my guest, alchemist and visionary designer, Ray Potter. Ray, explain uh, true alchemy and yourself as an alchemist. Uh, I see uh, the, the practice of alchemy, um, or the, the mythology of alchemy, um, really uh, points us to when things are muddled, they need to be separated, distilled, understood, so they can be resynthesized. And uh, essentially, that's kind of my work. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of complexity, things that don't make sense. Um, in isolation and trying to understand them and then trying to put it together in order that makes it into something actionable. Beautiful. What, what would you like to see in this world come to fruition? Um, I believe the world is as we are. And so I'd really like to see um, us treat each other better. And, and I think if we can create experiential context and reward systems that value contribution more than um, consumption, then uh, I think many of those things will um, work themselves out. Yes. Wouldn't you agree that the golden age already exists and and, uh, radiates, but we all just kind of have to find a way to jump into it to maintain the frequency? Absolutely. It's always been here. It's it's never went away. There's There's always been a better world, and it's inside this one. And um, um, and it's and it's really our perceptual lenses that distort what is already here. I like how you you recognize all possibilities, and how some of what you teach is that the greatest of possibilities are within us all. Because you're all about cooperation. Um, what is integral systems thinking, and how does it shift the way we manage resources? We tend to. So this this goes back to. Um, um, and I, and I don't want to get deep into history, but um, it, there, there, is, there is a point in time um, in our current academic and scientific traditions where we separated from uh, practices that integrated both spirit and science into things that were um, things were, that we separated the metaphysical from the physical. So one example is Newton's modeling of the mechanical universe. So he modeled how the universe mechanically works, but when we asked him who created the universe, he just deferred it to God. And I think that way of thinking over time has kind of disconnected what we understand intuitively 
to what we manifest externally. How does neurobiology, metaphysics, and consciousness um, uh, as a whole play into all of this? I think we are, again, this is a conversation about connecting what is viewed as separate into what is, uh, what is actually whole to begin with. And um, I want to, um, a big fan of William Blake, you know, the, the, and uh, that, that line from Auguries of Innocence where he says, uh, to see a world in a grain of sand and heaven in the wild flower, to hold infinity in the palm of your hand. What he's talking about uh, I feel is really connecting the the inner world of our dreams that manifest into symbols and then manifest into thought that manifest into um, uh, actions. Um, it's just uh, connecting that and the realization of that the world is as we are. And he also warned us. You know, there's a there's a line uh, from from Blake that says, "May may God us keep from single vision and new sleep." Um, and that's kind of where we're at. You know, we see the physical world. We try to understand the world from a physical perspective, and we are actually uncovering um, ancient truths from things that, for example, um, in the, one of the latest things in neuroscience, uh, Roger, um, sorry, Penrose and Amaroff, um, uh, have a theory of how consciousness is non-local. Well, this is the kind of stuff that's discussed in the Vedas you know, thousands of years ago. Yes. So I see that what we're discovering now um, through our empirical rationalist way of understanding the world through our physical senses are things that we understood long ago, and it's really connecting the two. It's connecting spirit with material and in the way that we experience dealing with action and, you know, um, and so on and so forth. Yes. Who are some of your greatest influences? Because you just mentioned a couple of individuals, and I want people out there listening who want to jump on board and really get you and, and are excited from this interview. Who are just some of the greatest influences that they can also uh, look up? I am very attracted to... Um, individuals and, and thinkers who are um, who are tapped into their true essence. In other words, uh, free thinkers. So I um, I'm a big fan of uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti. I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee. I'm a big fan of Bob Marley. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, uh, uh, Gandhi. Um, um, uh, these kinds of people um, I find fascinating because they are tapped into who they really are and they exude their own essence. And um, part of what I was mentioning earlier about integral thinking is that nature works uh, with all, all entities, all sentient entities or all entities in nature really are what they are. And that's why there's harmony and that's how things work beautifully together. And so those are the things that, uh, those are the kind of ideas or those are the kind of people that really inspire me and, um, and, I, and I try to clear the distortion so I can be who I really am. That's beautiful. I had a guest on previously, uh, Stacy L.L. Couch, and she wrote a book called Gracious Wild. She's very much into communicating with wildlife and animals, and she was talking about us connecting with nature, and I said to her, I am nature. So what you're saying and just how cool, how you operate is what I wanted people to hear, and I think that question right there showed a lot. 
you, you're you're kind of like a modern day Socrates or someone like back in the day. It's it seems radical, but it's actually really how we should be operating. And um, you talk about, um, for instance, you propose we give up ownership of property. Okay, and that's that's okay with me. I get it. I get exactly what you're saying because you know I have indigenous roots and and I recognize the native people um, don't really have ownership of land, but. How are individuals who property is so essential, you know, to the concept of their identity, why would any of them want to give up ownership? How could you make them give up ownership? Yeah, um, it, it, it sounds um, much more radical than, than what it is. Um, really, ownership, if you look at it from an informational organizational uh, paradigm, it's, it's the way we can manage uh, predictable outcomes. And so... From a behavioral science point of view, you have normative property and transitive property. Uh, normative property are things that um, is normal or so-called normal for us to possess and control, like um, like our home or like our clothes or you know like the the, the food we consume, etc. Um, and um, the the transitive nature is what is the worth of those things? What is the value of those things? What are those things relative to? The, the greater community. And so when I talk about uh, ownerless uh, organizations, uh, ownerless autonomous organizations, what I'm speaking to is now we have the technological ability to manage the complexities of ownership through software. And that really allows us to take the corruption and bias out of um, owning properties. It basically you know, takes the fat out. So one of the things that happen, you know, for example, in current ownership paradigm is that we try to leverage what we own um, at the expense of others. Mm. And that kind of thing is something that, that can be resolved by software. In other words, we can become stewards and stakeholders in the, um, in the resources that we use rather than having direct control over the resources that we use and then have our human psyche kind of obscure that in a way that is not beneficial to either ourselves or anyone else. Yeah, you're ta- you're actually talking about responsible, deliberate creation and having foresight when we create or choose anything to recognize the outcome, um, so that we can then be more succinct and responsible and clear. Uh, and is that am I correct in that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you know, the, the, some, you know, the, 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 these are you know, these are very charged words. You know, ownership, property, um, symbols in general kind of hijack our sensibilities. You know, you would not drink the word water if you are thirsty. Yet we choose a symbol called money to define wealth. But when you really truly think about what wealth means, wealth is the information, the evolutionary information to move life forward. So, you know, uh, our future generations should be better off than our previous generations because we understand things better than we did before. But that's not what's happening. So this, this symbol that we are tracking, that we are chasing, it actually, you know, it, it, what does it mean if future generations or even the, you know, 0.001%, um, the, the, people, the, the people that we like to vilify, uh, what are they going to do if when all the money, the trillions that they have accumulated, if if we can't drink the water, eat the food, or, you know, breathe the air. Yeah, I get it. And and uh, I have a few friends over in China, and they're moving so quickly to industrialize. And I keep saying, 
yeah, it'll be great. It'll be number one, but there won't be anybody there because of the air quality. You've said money exists where truth does not. Explain that. Um, money exists where trust does not. Okay, and trust. It's, it's when we cannot um, account, when we don't have individual accountability. That if I say, um, you know, uh, Sharon, I'm going to show up at X time, um, or I'm going to deliver this thing that I promised, if you can't trust me to deliver that, then we need an, another ag- agreement that's beyond ourselves. And, and that agreement becomes, uh, becomes our focal point. And so when I say money exists where trust does not, if there is trust between people and that trust is made accountable, then you would not need a symbolic representation to account for that. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, it, that, that whole thing is obsolete. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the main things that, um, that I point out is that it's not one or the other. It's not just spirit and not science. It's not just um, nonverbal and not verbal. It's a combination of both. It's an and-and. Um, so it's, it's used in context and not used in isolation. And-and like win-win, you know? Right. Okay, I had a guest um, also, I, I love mentioning some of the other guests because a lot of times um, it ties into, you know, the guests that I'm talking to at the moment. Dr. Wayne Chandler, he authored a book entitled Ancient Future, and I asked him if he could go back uh, to the ancient ancestors, what he would say, and also if you go into the future. So what would you tell people on the planet if you could go back? I look at the construct of time very differently. Um, so... I, I really wouldn't know what to say um, about where we're going because, the, you know, I see the problems that we are embedded in now are a result of what we thought pro- was progress at, at the time that we created it. For example, in Industrial Revolution, um, the reality of the time was that we had a low life expectancy. We couldn't feed everyone. Um, we had disease. Um, we had... Uh, transportation, sanitation, all of these problems. And then at the, along the same time, what we can see around us is the invention of uh, mechanical um, problem-solving tools. And so based on that, we've created a society that is very efficient in producing things, very efficient in uh, structuring things. So we are the victims of our own progress. And so at every age, every epoch, we get more information, we understand more, and we shift the way we did things. And again, whatever we're thinking now, um, uh, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 500 years from now, these things will present new problems because we'll see the world differently because we will run into the limitations of this way of thinking. So there's nothing I could say to somebody in the past because from their perspective, that's all they can see. I can't really show them what I can see now on the web, what I, can't, what I can understand from all the information that I've g- gathered and synthesized, because there's no context. I, there's no way for, to explain to somebody living 100 years ago that this is the world that we're going to create, because there's no context of the problems that we're dealing with now, because that, that's not their reality. So I think the, the same thing would exist uh, if you went into the future, but I guess, how about if we put it this way? Um, because you're mentioning things present uh, came about due to things in the past. What if we could take certain solutions that you have? Because, of course, you know, we all know that 
our problems can't be solved with the same thinking that created them. So do you think that you knowing what you know now and seeing what may have been done, like you say, 100 years ago, could you fill in some of the blanks and maybe there could be a resolution? Absolutely. And so if you start to... Um, uh, if, if, and I, I think it's, it's uh, what we prioritize. So if you um, really focus on um, uh, the, the actual technological breakthroughs or technological innovations um, versus uh, personal gratification and um, um, kind of you know, power-driven um, ideology, then many things that were figured out in the past would actually proliferate and we'd be at a different place right now. Um, I kind of think of it you know, more along those lines. And yes, yeah, I, I think you can do that. Okay, so then what would you say to the future then, since we've done that, since we fixed that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, think, um, I think the future is as we make it. So, so right now, um, we have the ability to do many, I mean, we actually have the ability today to technically take care of everyone on the planet and then some. Um, I, I, I don't want to misquote because I don't have the statistic clearly in my head, um, but I know uh, technically that, for example, people speak about the population problem. And, um, and, uh, but technically, the, the, the sheer volume of termites outweigh the sheer volume of human beings by a factor of a thousand or more. Uh, and I may be incorrect in that, but, but something like that. And they consume way more than us, and they're not really devastating our ecosystem because they're in symbiosis with nature. So we know that what we are, who we are on the planet, it's really how we're looking at managing information, and we have the technology to manage the information better. And I think once you put uh, new interfaces in place, uh, it changes behavior. And I'll give you a very simple example of just the way our roads and, and, uh, and, and everything is kind of created, 80-some years ago, there were no odometers in cars. And the way traffic and cities work were very different. And because you could see the effect of your action, it changes the way we organize things. And I think those things are available to us, and we can start to create uh, experiences that really change behavior. Okay. Before we go to break, let's mention really briefly your book one, uh, The New Abundant Energy Revolution and the Power of You. What was the passion behind writing your book, and has it opened doors for you? Uh, yes, it, it, was, um, it was catalytic. You know, it, um, it was my first effort. I've never written a book before, and, um, and a lot of it was my frustration, and it was cathartic at the time um, because I just didn't understand why the world works like this. And, um, and I started to speak about uh, decentralized energy because I saw the technology that was available, and then I started to see how it connected to everything else. Um, what the book did, and you know, I, I learned a lot about the subject matter, but what the book really did is it gave me access to amazing people around the world who saw the same similar problems of where we are socioeconomically and trying to do something about it. And um, so, it's, it's, so it's, it's been great. You know, I wrote that about almost five years now. And, um, and a lot of the thinking is now some of the things that are coming around and our sensibilities are, um, are emerging from 
more information, more coherence that's happening in the world. So it was a great experience. Fantastic. So it was all in sync. Uh, We have to take another break for commercial, but we'll be right back with our guest of expansive wisdom designer, Ray Potter. In the meantime, you'll find me on Twitter at Sharon Isis Rose. Also, email us at Sharon at whywearehere.info if you have any questions. And please go to IsisRoseCreations.com on the contact page to share with us your take on why we are here. And make sure you sign up to win a few gifts and prizes for being such a fantastic listener. And I'm also happy to announce that one of the gifts you'll receive is Ray Potter's book, One. Please stay tuned for the following announcement. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Wouldn't you love to experience formidable, personal, transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back once again. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington. We're back with our extraordinary guest, problem solver and designer, Ray Potter. Welcome back, Ray. Glad to be back. What do you do to stay focused and, and positive and in alignment? What do you do? I just listen to my inner voice, really. Um, I, um, uh, I, I try to uh, connect with people, try to understand that uh, we are no different, and, um, and I just try to pay attention. That's it. Okay. I have a few questions for you from listeners, so let's get into it and ask a few questions that they've emailed in. Okay, the first question is from Colette R., and Colette is from Vancouver. She wants to know, what's your definition of reality? Our definition of reality is um, really uh, the way we perceive and project um, what, what we see, and, it, and, and um, it, it's, it's, it's just the way we look at the world. Okay, the next question is from Mason G. Mason is from Morristown, New Jersey. And Mason wants to know, how do we balance and rectify 
inequality. He says it's a huge issue if we're talking about cooperation. Yes. So this goes back to what I was saying earlier, that we have accounting systems that um, have inequality built into the equation. So when you, when you have a system that is based primarily on create um, value out of debt, you're going to always have inequality. And, and so you need to flip the paradigm and start with credit-forward system where we start to invest in our, each other's potential rather than what each other can offer us. Okay. The next question is from Aria S. She's from Bethesda, Maryland. Aria wants to know what uh, do you know about space travel and why so many still find it hard to believe we're the only life present? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that, and I, and I know a lot of people in that in that community. Um, I, I think that's just our own myopic viewpoint, um, and I, I look at um, this whole um, construct of space, uh, other worlds, aliens, etc., as just different orders of intelligence, and uh, and we have the capacity to do whatever we can imagine. Beautiful, Christy L is from London, and Christy wants to know. If you can give her a few pointers or activities with her children to educate and introduce them to a more sustainable lifestyle, that they are six and nine. Ah, I, I would say one of the key things um, which a lot of my friends here in the local learning garden do is um, have children really connected to the earth. So a gardening, I think, is one of the key things when you understand where things come from, um, how seeds turn into plants, and you start to understand things from a systemic point of view. You start to understand how everything is connected to everything else. I think that would be a great start. I agree. It's beautiful. Okay, we have a question from Sammy K. Sammy's from Aspen, Colorado. Sammy wants to know, what does someone do who's interested in the field of design but doesn't know where to start? Sammy's 14, and he also says, artists rule. They're going to build a new world. I would agree with Sammy, and I think... um, the, the best thing any one of us can do is not get uh, sucked into a job description as our identity. And uh, really, design is just the way you look at the world. So start looking for patterns, start looking for how you know, there's beauty and imperfection, and, um, and just start looking around and expressing who you feel you are through um, the, the, the craft and skill that, that um, you're, we're always continuously learning. Okay, we have a question from Lana Kay. Lana is from Savannah, Georgia, and she wants to know if you could choose someone um, you would like to collaborate with that would be a great asset to your concepts and ideas, who would that be? I, I really like what uh, Elon Musk is doing, uh, so, so that, would be, um, that, would be, um, that would be a dream come true. Okay. Muhammad H. is from Detroit, Michigan, and Muhammad asks how we can come together when there are religious, financial, and moral differences that cause division. He says not to mention propaganda that causes hate when information is used to program, divide, and conquer. I think this kind of comes back to the, the free thinking that I was referring to earlier. I think we innately know what is right, what is just, and if we really listen to ourselves, then the external noise of how we're supposed to be versus who we really are goes away. Okay, and we have one last question from Jackson M. Jackson wants to know, what do you think of recycling? Is it more positive than good? 
And what are you going to do with all the plastic and is glass better? So recycling the way it is now, um, it, it, it's an activity, but I think recycling is just it's, it's part of how nature works. So what is, what's happening technologically is we're able to take waste streams and turn it into both energy and as source material. And this is the innovations in this area are, are growing exponentially. So it's really how we manage um, the resources. And once you have a full throughput, you no longer have pollution because everything is used properly. Ray, what's your take on why we are here? You know, I kind of come back to this, um, this old adage that the meaning of life is to give life a meaning. And I think we're here to understand things better than we understood it before. So it's really to have a clearer a path towards coherence, to be able to receive without bias, to be able to decode without distortion, and to be able to communicate without confusion. The more we can do that, um, I think more it makes, we have more meaning of why we're here and more it makes sense to be alive. Okay, and if anyone out there wants change for the betterment, connect with Ray, and how do they reach you, Ray? They can go to my website, which is uh, thisisgrow.org, and or connect with me either on my personal page or on the Grow page. So my personal page on Facebook is uh, Facebook um, forward slash Ray Potter, and the Grow page is uh, facebook.com forward slash thisisgrow. Okay, I have one last question. I'm in love with the Matrix movies, and the question I ask all my guests, do you take the red pill or the blue pill? I've already taken the red pill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Ray, so much. My pleasure, and it's an um, it's honor and privilege. Thank you so much. And now for my final thought. My celebrated guest today, Ray Potter, is a designer, author, alchemist, and so much more. Expansive in wisdom that goes much deeper than the surface allows him to demonstrate not only why he is here, but also why we are all here. Life is a gift. It's good, and resources when handled in cooperation, as many of our ancestors knew and demonstrated, are infinite and bountiful in supply. Ray's here to show us all how to be useful to one another and how to tune into that paradise that has always been present. He knows of the portal to the eternal life that our ancient ancestors left in many messages of hieroglyphs and scrolls. He's dedicated to creating optimum lifestyles for others and teaches how power is collectively useful and within us all. We all have to take a moment to pause and wonder and to pontificate on why we are here. No life is meaningless. No breath is wasted. We are all a beautiful, intricate part of creation making life happen. Remember, the kingdom queendom lies within. Always stay rooted in Mother Earth and lifted by Father Sky as you continue to walk side by side with the ancestors and angels. Until next time, please keep me in your heart, and I promise to always keep you in mine. Have an enchanting evening. I'm your host, empowerment coach, healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington. We hope you've enjoyed listening to visionary author Sharon Rose Washington and her insightful luminary guest. Please join us for another powerfully transformative show next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Why We Are Here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For questions, information, and appointments, Sharon can be reached at Sharon at whyweareherein.info. 
or for direct empowerment coaching and healing, call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. Keep your 